You know, it really is a, a good day to uh, talk about uh, prayer, and uh, we're going to have prayer here at the church this evening, and we want to encourage you to join us. It would be very nice to have a, a nice, uh, full uh, turnout of people who uh, would be here for prayer, and because uh, prayer is not a side note that really is the most important function that, the, that we can undertake, so... And we pray for those who are hospitalized, those who are sick, uh, those who are shut in. And uh, we believe God is big enough to touch you all. So you have, you have in your notes here a, uh, a handout. And I just want to, uh, because I missed, uh, I missed, uh, I put the wrong, wrong reference. It's Matthew 6 rather than Matthew 5. So just make a little notation there, Matthew 6. Uh, up on the purple note, there's a little outline here. And I appreciate that uh, Diane makes those available, and uh, Amy has done slides for us today. Appreciate that. That takes a lot of time, and I'm a challenge to work with. So I thank God for those who are faithful to do it. So uh, this morning we're going to read the scriptures, and uh, I'd like to uh, begin this and launch this season of prayer throughout the month of April. We encourage you to spend time in fasting and prayer. Uh, however, uh, that works for you. We pray that you'll make a, a, uh, an intentional effort to uh, spend time alone with the Lord. Uh, uh, we encourage you to, to fast. It's a biblical thing. Jesus fasted. The early church fasted. Uh, we shared some of that last week, and certainly we want to remind you this week that uh, God works when we focus on Him. And we allow him to overtake every part of our lives. So uh, this is a great season. And throughout the month of January uh, will be a prayer focus. And it is being really launched here. Uh, was launched last week. But we want to talk about uh, what Jesus had to say about prayer. Because he's the one that I'm most interested in hearing from. I appreciate all the scriptures. But man, when Jesus speaks, it's like no other. And I thank God for him. And I thank God for the inspired word. The epistles certainly are no less inspired, and all of the books of the Bible, the prophetic uh, books, the, the books of the law, the poetic readings, uh, historical content, uh, all of that is so vital and important and inspiring. But I, it's always good to hear the words of Jesus, those red letters, you know, in your Bible. So anyhow, Matthew, 5, or Matthew 6, and when you pray... How about reading this? Well, can you, can you see it up here? If you can, read along. I, I'm not sure. I think it may be the New King James Version, but once in a while I, I uh, switch them out. But uh, if you want to read with me, I think it would be good for us to kind of unite around the Scriptures and the Word. And uh, in fact, if you wouldn't mind, uh, if you, would you stand for the reading of the Gospel and would you join with me uh, together corporately as we read this? Um, Okay, and, and uh, it's right up here. You can see, I hope you can see. If you can't, um, well, well, if you can't, you can, okay? But, uh, and when you pray, you want to read this with me? And when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets, that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. Uh, but you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut the door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. 
And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think they will be heard for their many words. Therefore, do not be like them, for your Father knows the things you have need of before you ask him. In this manner, therefore, pray, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and glory forever. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You know, and I I pray that that word will be like uh, a, a, um, a a magnet to your spirit, that it will draw in all of the fullness of God's intention to what he has given us here today. And uh, so we think about Jesus, and he's the example in everything. He is the prime example for the church to follow. You know, the head of the church, and let me just say this with all due respect to every other uh, uh, stream of Christianity, uh, there's only one head to the church. And he is Jesus Christ. The Bible says that he is head over all things pertaining to the church. That's what the Bible testifies. And in fact, he is the bridge between God and man. He is the uniter, as the Bible says, that there's only one mediator between God and man, and that is our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Only one. And there's one head, and there's one foundation. And the foundation of our faith is the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, significant lessons are learned when we look at the Lord's prayer life. And, um, you know, other people will learn more about us uh, who are close to us from our prayer life maybe than anything else that they, they will see us do. Uh, because prayer is uh, such an important uh, privilege. And it's a, it's a channel through which God re- gives uh, revelation and understanding and discernment and power and authority and, and perspective. It flows into our lives as we pray. And so if we live a weak and anemic life, spiritual life, you can probably trace it back to two things, Uh, uh, a prayerlessness or a lack of prayer, or you can trace it back to the Word of God not having the place in our lives that God desires for it to have. And so if we're going to continue to advance in our faith, those two things are going to be so important to the development of our faith Because they are communications with our Savior. They are communications with our... And prayer is as much listening as it is speaking. You know, sometimes we think speaking is uh, takes up should take up the majority of our prayer time. And sometimes that's not absolutely true. Sometimes it's the silence where we listen. When we take the Scriptures and we are still before God so that we can know Him. You know, how many of us find it difficult at times in life to just be still and to, ref- to meditate upon the Word and reflect upon the, the things that God has shown and to open our hearts for revelation knowledge from God Almighty. You know, just to be still is a hard thing sometimes. I don't know if you have uh, attention deficit uh, I don't want to say you have a disorder, but maybe you would say you have a little bit of attention deficit. Anybody uh, ever experienced that? 
We're not claiming that necessarily, but you've seen evidence at times. Yeah, yeah, you can't sit still. You've got to be on the move. You've got to be doing something. You've got to be somewhere. And that can be great if it's productive and it's balanced. But sometimes the imbalances in life absorb the time that we would spend with God in prayer. You know, the imbalances, thinking that if we do more, uh, we'll accomplish more. And that can be true, but that can also uh, be as much misleading as it can be true because sometimes when we do much, we, cons- we are consumed like Mary was or Martha was when Mary was seated at the feet of Jesus. Martha was encumbered with all the things that she had to do and moving about with great haste. And I, that's understandable. She was entertaining the Lord, but the Lord discerned that she had become so fixated on everything that she had to do that she uh, really neglected what Mary took hold of. And God wanted her to understand that Mary chose the sweet spot, the good stuff. And so when we talk about the, the Lord and his prayer life and his teachings on it, it is not only what Jesus said about prayer, but it is the, how Jesus prayed. And when Jesus prayed, uh, he, uh, it was not inconsequential. When Jesus prayed, there were results. You know, Jesus never prayed a prayer uh, that wasn't answered. You know, uh, sometimes he met up with the, the lack of faith in others, and then that stymied the release of what God wanted to release in a certain group of people. But Jesus never prayed a prayer that was just a waste of time. And prayer is never a waste of time unless, and it can be, if we are not focused on the Lord. You know, when I say that, sometimes we spend more time dwelling on our problem than we do focusing on the answer. How many know if we spend 30 minutes whining about our problem and no time uh, focusing on the one who is the, is the answer, then, you know, you don't get my, you get a gripe session. You know, we complain more than anything, and that's not what Jesus taught us to do. We bring our needs before him because he is a healer. He is a, God is a provider. God is a miracle worker. How many of you know that God is a miracle worker? How many of you have confidence that God will keep his hand on Dawn today? God will keep his hand on Dawn today. And so as we look at this, we understand uh, from the significant lessons that we see in Christ's prayer life, uh, the Lord taught us, he, he provided a model for prayer. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that we have to continually recite that prayer, but he, he shares uh, a lot of critical insights into how to pray through that model of prayer. And as we read and see that in Matthew chapter 6, verse 8, there's a, a number of things in there that maybe we could look at here as we go on. But, you know, human nature tends to speak about countless things, and as to a believer, our credibility uh, comes from our consistency and our connection with what we speak and what we do. Uh, Jesus was a teacher, both in word and in action. What Jesus said and what Jesus did were aligned in the Father's will. How many of you believe that that's the way we are to live? What we speak and what we do are to find unity and alignment in what God's word has called us to do. You know, it's not just speaking the word. 
You know, we can, we can speak the word and there's always inherent power in the word of God. It never returns void, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it's of any effect to us because if we're not applying ourselves to it and surrendering to it, it doesn't do nearly as much for us as it would if we opened our hearts and dwelt on what God actually is saying to us. In John eight twenty eight, Jesus said to them, When you lift up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am He, and that I do nothing of myself, but as my Father taught me, I speak these things. You know, Jesus, when He prayed, He prayed in alignment with the will of God the Father. You know, one God, not three gods, one God. How many know that? Say that with me. There's one God. Uh, reveals himself as three persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And Jesus was very concerned about speaking the things that were uh, in alignment with God. When we pray, God help us to speak the truth. That we're not praying prayers that are based on lies or a misunderstanding. That we speak the Word of God. We allow the Word of God to shape the prayers that come out of our mouths. The declarations that we make over others or our lives, the proclamations that we do that they are scriptural and they're Christ-exalting. In John chapter 8, verse 26, he says, I have many things to say and to judge concerning you, but he who sent me is true, and I speak to the world those things which I have heard from him. Why did Jesus pray? You know, when you think about it, you say, well, Jesus was God. Why would he need to take time to pray. He already knew what he knew. But you understand being human and being divine, Jesus subjected himself to the course that involved a natural birth. It was a supernatural conception, but it was a natural birth that Jesus was birthed physically. He never ceased being God, and yet he went through the process of becoming a man through conception, uh, immaculate conception or holy conception, and uh, he, he was birthed as a, uh, a newborn. He grew as an infant. He grew as an adolescent and as an adult in this world. And all along the process, Jesus knew that he needed to pray. Jesus needed to pray so that that human nature would, f- would follow suit with his divine nature, that they would move together as one. You know, when Jesus prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane, some people think, well, he was just saying that. It really wasn't that big of a struggle because he was already going to do what he was already going to do when he went to the cross. But the fact of the matter is that Jesus brought both the human nature, he brought that human nature into perfect alignment with the divine nature and to the will of God. Because naturally, Jesus would have had natural impulses and desires that were subjected and surrendered because Jesus made a choice to speak the things that the Father gave him. He, made a cho- he had to make a choice to walk in alignment with the Father's will. So when Jesus, uh, he surrendered in that time of prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane, he perfectly submitted to the Father's will. He said, if it's possible, take the Father, take this cup from me. But nevertheless, it's not my will, but your will. There was that human element at play there that perhaps had a desire uh, that would have gone. And you say, well, Jesus, was that possible that Jesus could have desired something else? I don't know that the divine Lord, who never ceased to exist, would have been tempted to evil. But I know that Jesus, as he went through the desert, think about it, he went into the wilderness and he prayed. His human nature became hungry, right? How many know his divine nature wasn't hungry? 
I mean, he's fully satisfied, but that, divine, that physical nature that Jesus went out into the, was the part that could have yielded to uh, turning the stone into bread, right? It looked pretty good maybe at that point. And yet Jesus stood in the Word, and he, his defense was three times it is written. Why did Jesus pray? The prayer life that Jesus had was an example to all of us. The way Jesus prayed is the way that God wants us to pray. You know, uh, to understand that Jesus' prayer life was a model for all of us to see, it was a visual model of his teachings. That Jesus prayed so that we could see, have a model uh, set before us and it, uh, of how we too should pray. And so Jesus did pray daily. He went to the temple regularly. He was in the synagogue. Jesus withdrew to lonely places. Jesus prayed corporately. He prayed for people. And he uh, prayed over people. So when we see his prayer, his prayer was a relational conversation. He was inherently aware of the Father's will. He was aware of the Father's will. He was aware of, of the Holy Spirit. He was aware of the fullness of the Godhead. So when he prayed, his prayer was in relationship to the Father. You know, when you think about prayer, it's a relational thing. How many of you know if there wasn't a relationship involved in your prayer life, all it would be was you, would be you talking to yourself? But when you pray, you are talking to who? Come on, church. Your Father, through Jesus Christ. How many of you believe there's someone on the other end of your prayer? We're not just making phone calls that nobody, we already know no one's on the other end. And you're going to get an answering service at best. God, it's a relational component. Jesus walks with us. The Holy Spirit is in us. You know, Jesus ascended to the right hand of the Father, and we know the Holy Spirit was sent to dwell inside of us. How many have the Holy Spirit inside of you today? You know, that's a difference maker. Because, you know, in and of ourselves, we could do nothing there's nothing that is set before us that we could do perfectly or even do to any measure that would fulfill the standard, but it's the Holy Spirit within us that brings and produces the fruit through the willingness of our own and the willingness and surrender of our soul. Jesus was willing and he surrendered his life and he prayed in, in, in relationship. He was, he was tight with the, the, the Father. He was tightly connected to the Holy Spirit who would come and would be the executive and the administrator among the world when he ascended back to the Father. And so the Holy Spirit is moving in this house today. Amen? The Holy Spirit, for those of you who prayed, you see, I, wouldn't, I would not have done that if I, believed that there was, if I did not believe that there was a divine presence here to meet you. Come on, church. A divine presence. God is in this house. God dwells where he's invited. You know, one day somebody had told an elder minister that I served with, uh, he was in the hospital visiting this man, and he was talking about God, and the man said, well, I, yeah, I believe God. I, God's everywhere. And this uh, elder saint uh, pastor said to him, yes, he is everywhere, but he dwells where he's invited. And, you know, you have to understand there's a difference, there's a difference there. Jesus said to the church, Behold, I stand at the door and I knock. Come on, church. He was knocking at the door of the heart of the church. And he said, If anyone will open the door and come in, 
I will come in and sup with him and he with me. You know, God is always, he always dwells where he's invited. You see, it, it, that's a fact because you couldn't be born again if you didn't invite him into your life. Amen? You cannot be born again if you do not invite Jesus Christ to be your personal Savior. Can't happen. It's your personal surrender to the Lord. It's the asking Jesus and inviting him into your heart. When we talk about the, the Holy Spirit and the baptism in the Holy Spirit, you know, God forces not, he does not force that upon you, right? Aren't you glad for that? God offers it as a gift and we invite it into our lives. Aren't you glad that God gives good gifts, that every good and perfect gift comes from above from the Father? Aren't you glad for that? You know, he's not a waffling, whiffling, whatever. I don't even know what that means, but he's consistent. You know, surrender of the human nature to the divine plan. That's what Jesus was always doing, bringing the total of his being. How many believe that Jesus was totally God? Boy, that's a rousing endorsement. <laughs> you know, yeah. Jesus, totally God. Jesus was totally man. And by being totally God and totally man, you had a divine nature and you had a human nature. And Jesus walked with both of those natures wrapped in his humanity when he walked on this earth. Emmanuel, God with us. i got to tell you, I know everybody has their own thoughts about a lot of different things, but I never believe that God stopped, Jesus ever stopped being divine. Emmanuel, God with us, right? The Word became flesh and dwelt among us, right? Come on, church. He was God. Thomas looked at him and said, my Lord and my God. He recognized that Jesus was both human uh, through the scars upon his hand, and he, re- he knew uh, that he was divine and had been real. Jesus grew and matured in his human nature. That's why he prayed. You know, Luke 2.52, you cannot get around what this scripture says. It says, and Jesus grew in wisdom. Come on, church. Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. You hear that scripture? It says he grew in wisdom. That means that he gained wisdom, right? He grew his, he under, his understanding in his human nature. Was in, it continued to grow and to develop. When he was a child, you know, he continued to grow and to develop as a child. Jesus could have came as a man, but he came as a newborn. I mean, you know, let's face it. There was a reason that he came as a newborn. It was because he was going to experience the full measure of our humanity. So he came as a newborn, was born into this world, and he experienced, and all along the way, he grew because he focused on doing the Father's will. He spent time in the Word and in prayer so that he could walk rightly before the Lord. The Bible says he learned obedience, and I know that's a little bit of a play on words, but the fact is Jesus, his obedience was borne out by his willingness to die for all of us. It was revealed completely and fully his, uh, his commitment to the human nature, uh, to saving humanity when he uh, went to the cross in Hebrews chapter 5. Obedience is the course chosen in those powerful moments of prayerful surrender. Uh, when the agony leads into an intentional surrender. Luke twenty two forty two. Father, if you are willing, if you are willing, 
take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. You see, Jesus said, hey, if there's a chance of this thing being removed and, and, and this being done another way, that, that would be fine. You know, his human nature said that would be fine. But he realized in his, in his spirit that God's plan was always the perfect plan. The Father's plan was the only viable way for this thing to get done. And so he, he affirmed his, his surrender and his commitment to the Father's will. The God-man could only succeed according to the Father's plan if the divine Christ and the human Christ, the Word become flesh, right? The Word become flesh and dwelt among us, see? If that perfect alignment was walking in, 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 in the will of God. Jesus said in John 5.30, give me a few more minutes, I like this. John 5.30, I can of myself do nothing as I hear I judge. My judgment is righteous because I do not seek my own will, but the will of the Father who sent me. Now, I believe Jesus in his divine nature was perfectly in alignment with the Father's will. But I think he fully made sure that his human nature was alone for the journey. And how many of you know prayer brings brings you into a place of undivided relationship with Christ? You know, we're not divine, but how many know uh, we've got a spiritual nature and we've got a flesh nature? How many of you believe you still have a little challenge once in a while from the flesh? (laughs) <laughs> I, I say this many times, but driving brings mine out. I become another man behind the steering wheel. <laughs> I, uh, but I think about, and Robin will continually remind me uh, of the things I need to be reminded of, but you've done enough of it, so no more needed today. So... Uh, as to being both divine and human, Jesus being Jewish, and Jesus was, he practiced Judaism, he would have prayed regularly. Luke nineteen forty six, Jesus saying of those who had come into the, into the house of God and had, and, and had used it to swindle people out of their money and made it a house of merchandise, he said, it is written, my house is a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. We see in the relationship of the Trinity uh, that one God uh, reveals himself as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. In John 14, 26, it says, In that day you will ask in my name, and I do not say say to you that I shall pray the Father uh, for you. And then John 14, 16 says, And I will pray the Father for you, and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, right? Uh, Jesus is the mediator between God and man. He's the advocate for believers. Jesus is the way to the Father. The Holy Spirit is an active person of the Godhead in the world today. Thank God for the move of the Holy Spirit. How many know you can't live this life for Christ without the Holy Spirit? You can't. Because then it comes down to me just trying to please God all the time. And God's not looking for people to try simply to please him. He wants to walk in relationship with us that he might transform our lives. How many know this is more about transformation in our lives than it is just compliance? Compliance is a good thing if it's understood properly. But this is about transformation. Transformation. 
The Holy Spirit is the active uh, person, the executive of the Godhead in the world today. He does nothing of himself as Christ did nothing apart from the Father. Jesus taught us how to pray. He says, uh, he says therefore, when you pray, he didn't say if you pray. How many got that? He didn't say if by chance you pray. And I want to ask you today in this church, are you a person that would be better suited in, if Jesus were talking to you and I, would, it, would he say if you pray or would he say when you pray? Because, you know, that's the key right here for us. We determine if it's an if or a when. We commit to the, to the course of prayer or it is really an if on what day of the week or what day of the month or what set of circumstances we choose to pray in. How many know that God wants people to be a people of prayer? He wants that to be a lifestyle, not a bondage, but to understand that the fullness of what God will release in your life and mine and in this church won't come by how well we do things, but how much we move in alignment and with him. Aren't you sure of that today? Therefore, do not be like them, for your Father knows the things you have need of before you ask him. Just saying something over and over and over and over and over again is not going to make any difference. I mean, I'm not saying that there aren't times of supplication and seeking God, uh, you know, that we tarry in the presence of God. But how many of you know that we ask for things, but it's important that once, as we ask, that we take, uh, we, we place our confidence in God that he has heard what we said, and he's got, he heard it, and we can walk in trust. We can lay claim to our healing. We can lay claim to all of that. We can t- continue to trust him. But how many know that God didn't forget when you ask him? When you came to him and said, God, I need a healing. And we may say it a thousand times a day. That's not what I'm talking about. But Jesus is talking about these here rote prayers, these ritualistic things that people just regurgitated over and over and over again, thinking that that would gain them merit with God. It's really not always the length of your prayer. It's the connection of your prayer. It's being connected with the heart of God. Do you hear that? Sometimes it's being and connecting with God. You know, I'm not saying that the length isn't important, but the length of time doesn't always show the true worth of anything. You say, well, even with your sermon, right, I got that. Uh, <clears throat> Therefore, do not be like them, for your Father knows the things you have need of before you ask Him. In this manner, therefore, pray, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. You know, He's our Father. Come on, church. How many know God's not, you know, there are people around, and I say this all the time. There are people in Gettysburg running around chasing after spooks and ghosts. And they want to hear something, they want to see something. You know, when, when you understand this, that the, that the God who really matters and the God who can change things has not hid himself from you. He has placed himself on a hill, right? And his son was arms were outstretched on that hill where his life was laid down for all people. God loves the whole world. There's no one that God doesn't love, right? Except, I don't know how he feels about the devil, but uh, he's not a nice guy, is he? I guess if you call him a thief and a murderer, you're probably a liar. You don't have too much to, for him. But I think about Jesus here. And hallowed be your name. How many of us have a sense of the holiness of God? 
You know, we've got it down to sometimes where God, is this one? Where we look at God as though he's simply our buddy and our friend. And we run through the tulips with him and we dance and we gyrate. And I'm going to tell you, that's God, I, the best time you'll have in any given day is when you realize you're in the presence of the Lord, right? But you understand something. There has to be a sense of the holiness of God's nature too because that counts for something. You can never dismiss the holy nature of God as though it's just one of the other common, and there are no common, attributes of God. God wants His church to be in awe of his, his holiness. Come on, church. Isaiah, when he saw the Lord exalted and lifted up, he had this realization of his own lacking. You know, sometimes we think God just wants us, he never wants us to be, never wants us to think that there's anything missing. I think it's good that the Holy Spirit gently shows us or directly shows us that there are areas for us to surrender to the Lord. Because I would imagine if God showed up as we, he did in the, in the vision of Isaiah, you know, I think we'd see some things that, uh, that we might not see otherwise. And God doesn't do that to destroy us or to condemn us. I don't walk in condemnation. How many of you have growth areas in your life? Because if you, don't, you say you don't, I'm going to say this with all the love I can. You're lying. You are a liar. Because, you know, the fact of the matter is everybody has growth areas in their lives. Arrogance would presume that I don't have any. All that the man of the law was satisfied in Christ, all that I needed to save me was, uh, was uh, done and accomplished in Christ. Who I am today is because of what Christ has done. My past is, in his, is covered, my present is covered, and in my future. But you understand, as long as you walk on this earth, you are going to have growth areas. And if you don't know what they are, you know, if you can tolerate the honesty and you, don't, and you don't intimidate someone to answer the way you want to, ask your wife or your husband. Because they may point them out to you and talk to you a little bit. How many know you got the Holy Spirit, then you have your spouse? <laughs> and when the two are moving together, that's really, the, that's the hot seat to be on right there. I'm almost at hallowed be your name. I'll give you another instance, and you know, you, you can look at it any way you want to, but I, I look at it from the simpleton's perspective with the Holy Spirit light shown. Um, you know, Ananias and Sapphira in the early church. We always say God never did things like that in the New Testament or allowed them to happen, whatever it was, whether they were smitten with fear or a sense of terrible awe or whatever. They had lied to, about what they had done with the monies that they had gained from selling a property. You know, there was no problem in keeping whatever it is they chose to keep, but they lied deliberately. And, and, and Peter, I believe, confronted them and said, you've not lied to men, but you've lied to God. And boom, one drops over dead. And a little later, boom, another one drops over dead. And when you read the scriptures, there was a sense of fear and awe that followed. Because, you know, God, God is grace and he is truth, but God is a holy God. And we live in that, remember? Amen? You say, that's not my holy. No, it isn't your holiness, but you can't live in his if you don't choose to. If you're going to have one foot in the world and one foot in the, trying to put, keep one foot in, in Christ, it is never going to work out that way. 
Hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. I'm a king, you know, come on, church. Uh, this, I might not get much further than this, I'm sorry. And you say, hopefully not. But your kingdom come. How many here understand that this is bigger than Bethel? Come on, church, this is bigger than you and me. It's bigger than me. It's bigger than you. It's bigger than this place and this group of people. This is a kingdom thing, right? Come on, how many like the concept of kingdom? Because it's bigger than a denomination. It's bigger than a a movement of different flavors. It's that which is joined into the headship of Christ, rooted in the word, that grows up unto his glory, and that can be any, you know, it doesn't matter what the, what the marquee says in front of your church or the label is on your bulletin, but this is a kingdom. How many hunger for the kingdom of God to come? Come on, church. You get full of this world, you don't hunger much for the future, for the kingdom of God to be established each and every day. I know the kingdom in one regard has come, but its fulfillment will not, will not be here until Jesus comes. So you understand that. You know, we we don't just make it happen. Jesus is going to be the one who brings it. But you understand as we pray today, how many of you say, God, I want to have a heart that that desires something bigger than me, bigger than my church, bigger than the United States, bigger, well, you can't get bigger than the world. And if there's aliens that need Jesus or Martians, God, save the Martians. Why not? We have campaigns to save everything else except for the unborn. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. I want to say how critical that is. Because unfortunately, and I would say this not just here but in the church, unforgiveness is a huge problem. I think it's one of the biggest hindrances to our lives really advancing in Christ. Because somewhere embedded in our heart is a spirit of unforgiveness. And you know, we might struggle with that for a little while, but if you live there, you're going backwards, not forwards. You become a weight to anything you're a part of. You know what I mean? You become like an anchor that's constantly falling in the waters when an anchor's not needed at that location. And God wants to set you free so that you don't carry that weight of unforgiveness. I'm going to ask Tammy to come. This will give you a little hope. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Pray with discretion. Jesus said when you pray, Jesus was not condemning corporate public prayer. What he was condemning was the, 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 the pride of those who were looking to self-promote. You know, Christianity is not about self-promotion. You know, me and mine, my ministry, I get weary of hearing people bragging about their ministry, my ministry. You know what? You don't have anything that doesn't belong to God. You've been entrusted with a call and a responsibility, but ultimately he's the one who brings the fruit. See, the Pharisees prayed and stood on the street corners to be seen. Jesus didn't condemn, he didn't condemn uh, tithing or giving. He just said, when you do it, don't let one hand know what the other one's doing. 
Jesus said, when you pray, go into that private place because if, if you're a good showman and yet you're not living it in private, it doesn't matter anymore. God's not impressed. Humility and discretion are really important in anything. The Bible says there are six things the Lord hates. Yes, seven are an abomination to him. A proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that are swift and running to do evil, a false witness who spreads lies, and the one who sows discord among the brethren. God hates pride. Pride's the root of all sin. It really is. It's out of pride comes all other sin. Jesus stressed the importance of private prayer. He said, but when you pray, go into your room. We're going to gather for corporate prayer. It is vital. Read the word of God. In times of national crisis, in times when, the, when, and when, James, uh, when Peter was put in jail, what did the church do? They came together and they prayed for him. And even though they didn't really believe that God would do what they were asking them to do, asking him to do, Peter knocked on the door. A, little, a servant girl goes to the door, so excited, just slams the door in his face. Eventually, he goes back and says, "Hey, Peter's here." And they said, "You're crazy. Isn't that a great prayer meeting? God deliver Peter. Okay, he did. You're crazy." I'm going to tell you, we can't be that church and expect to see the hand of God move regularly. God moved in spite of their imperfect understanding and imperfect faith. He moved in spite of it. I'm going to ask you to stand with me for a moment. It is most important that you be a person of prayer in the places of life that no one else sees. That you would be that that would be most of the most of life is lived outside of this church service. Most of it is. Most of it is. So be a person of prayer in the places of life where you go. In addition to what you do here, for sure the church is a house of prayer and worship, and we're calling upon all church people here, all people to come tonight for prayer. We're calling on you. God's calling on you, not me. God's calling you. I'm just a human mouthpiece saying God wants us to come together in this season. If you look at your schools, you look at society as a whole, you look at the crisis, you know, oh, we need more Republicans. I want to tell you this. I'm a Republican. If, you're, if, that, if you don't come back because I had told you that, I'll become an independent, okay? No, I won't. But I'm going to tell you, there's no, there's no, politician that's going to fix this. You and I need to vote rightly and whatever, whatever God, your principles are as a Christian, you need to vote in alignment with that. But you know what God's going to do is when the church, instead of, uh, you know, putting the ballot box as the most important place that you can be, and it is important, it is vitally important as a citizen, as a Christian that you be there. But the vital place is prayer. Because God's not impressed with your ministry and my ministry and what you do and what I... He's not impressed with that. Because the more of me that he sees in what I do means the less time I'm spending in prayer before him. And he's not impressed, not at all. If you're, No matter what your ministry is, you don't have a ministry. You don't have a legitimate ministry 
if prayer is not involved. You do not have a legitimate ministry because there can't be legitimacy when God is not an essential part of what we do. just can't be. It says, when you pray, don't use the vain repetitions as the heathen do. I'm so glad that as I grow in Christ, my conversation with God becomes richer. My, dis- my discerning spirit hears more of what he's saying, you know, as you grow in your prayer. It's not just something you do for 30 years and you just do the same thing all the time. Because God's involved in something that imparts life. It's dynamic and living and he wants to take you deeper, right? God wants to show you things you've never seen. He wants to do things in your life that you've never never experienced before. He wants to make you something that you thought you could never become. And that only comes whenever we're in prayer. I would ask this, if you have a ministry, and I'm saying this because we had membership class this morning. If, you want to be a, if you'd like to join a church for voting privileges and, and to do things that are important business too, that, please come. It's not only for that. It's good, rich fellowship. We had a list of ministries in the church. And there's a long list. And I'm going to believe or, or I'm going to believe or call upon everybody who's part of that list to be praying earnestly. Because if, if we don't, what we end up doing is we're just wasting, we're diverting attention away from other things that God really wants to do. Because we're doing our thing. We're doing our thing. You know, it's all about me and what I'm doing, my thing. You know, I got to tell you, I've heard that so often I wanted to barf. It's all about me and what I'm doing, my ministry, my, 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 mine. If it doesn't fit and it doesn't, and it's not prayerfully supported and it doesn't produce a, a humility and a fruit to it, then we need to go back. God bless every ministry in this place, every ministry, every, every, every person, Lord, that serves and does anything for you. Lord, we need Sunday school teachers that are people who pray over their students. Not just, and it is important to pray with them. But, Lord, those who lift the names of these children up before the Lord during the course of the week, that what they are living is an outgrowth of what you're, you're showing and teaching them through what in part is taught here. Lord, that whatever our thing is, Lord God, that it would be birthed and supported in the revelation and the life-giving flow of the Holy Spirit. Lord, we want to be in life. We don't want to be stagnant, stinky water. We want to be full of life. How many here realize that America, along with the world, is decaying rapidly? Rapidly. And the only way that can be reversed, the only way, doesn't depend necessarily on who has the, uh, the um, majority in either house. I mean, we all have our, our preferences and ideas, and I have mine, but I'm going to tell you, I, I'm just realizing this more and more that the church is not a, a, uh, the caboose of the train. The church should be up in the locomotive. And the only way we can be in the locomotive is to be full of the Holy Ghost and 
praying and seeking God like we've never sought and waited upon Him and thanking Him and fellowshipping with Him and listening to Him, that our prayer closets will have that private place that we're alone with God would be hot with revelation, knowledge, and with empowerment from on high. God, I pray, how many as we close, you'll say, you just lift your hands for the Lord and say, God, I, I want to I I be a person that, uh, and Lord, understands that prayer is not an occasional, seasonal thing. It's not a once-in-a-year emphasis. It's something, Lord, that is a dynamic part of daily life. It's a joy, a privilege. It's the, where the power is introduced into our life. The wisdom is given. The discernment is shown. It's where things change in the atmosphere. It's where things change in, in the schoolhouse and in the, in the government houses, Lord God. It's where things change in our churches and in our personal lives. Lord, that personal private prayer time is so invaluable, Lord God, that we have that time, Lord, that we'll carve out of our schedule somewhere, sometime when we can be alone with God and hear Him and that we'll walk through the day listening. Pray for all of our teachers. I thank you for all of those who are involved in a ministry to which they will say like Jesus that not my will but your will be done, God. Wherever you choose to take this, I will follow. And then Jesus says He sweat great drops of blood in anguish and earnestness. I believe his words sliced through every dimension of reality when he said, nevertheless, my will, but your will be done. I think it was like a knife sharper than anything we could even discern that cut through uh, the atmosphere and said, this thing is advancing. And hell didn't realize what was coming but heaven re- knew that Jesus was fulfilling what God had sent him to do. And Lord, this is a day where we surrender to you. We give you our hearts, Lord. We will give you that time alone because every moment of every day belongs to you. But Lord, there's those days that we just need that spiritual romance with our Creator. With no one else, Lord, no other voices speaking into the moment, no, nothing else happening. Lord God, just a, a, a slate of time that we say, God, I need to hear from you today. I have issues in my life that don't seem to be changing. And Lord, I believe today in that prayer time, something will change that will set into motion a, a thousand other changes in our lives. And it will be the changes that God brings about in us. Lord, we praise you and we thank you. Holy Spirit, how many just raise your hand and say, Lord, I want to be full of the Holy Spirit. I need the Holy Spirit. I need what Daniel had. Lord God, when when they needed a man or they needed someone to be able to to give revelation, knowledge, uh, Lord, when those dreams were, 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 were given, Lord God, and no interpretation was coming, they knew that there was a man in whom the Spirit of God dwelt. And it was a man who prayed. And his name was Daniel. Lord God, let us have the spirit of Daniel, Lord God. Even when the numbers aren't for us, God is. Even when we're the only voice in the room speaking truth, we understand we have a senior partner who goes with us all the time. We don't walk in our own wisdom. We don't walk in our own knowledge. We walk 
hearing him. I pray for anyone online. I pray for anyone in this building who, Lord God, would just sense the urgency of this hour, who would say, Lord God Almighty, Lord, make me a vessel. Lord God, fit for your use. Who recognizes that the glory isn't of me, but the glory flows through and out of this vessel of clay. Hallelujah. Tammy, you want to lead us and then we'll, we're going to close it. Anybody doesn't know Jesus, today's the greatest day of all. It can be your spiritual birthday. The day that you give your heart to the Lord Jesus and your spirit is made alive inside of you where that empty void is, that chasm that's just so empty and gnawing inside can be filled with life. You know, that, that, that attitude, disposition, it says, I don't feel like I'm anything. I don't feel like I have anything to give. I don't feel like I have any purpose in life. I wear a smile. I go through life and I try to represent not well to the expectations placed among me. But I need something in my life that I'm not finding anywhere else. I'm not finding it in any relationship. I'm not finding it in anything. I'm not finding it, Lord God, in the false promises of the world. Lord, I need something in my life that will redirect me, raise me up out of this depression, this fear, this loneliness, this sense of loss. If you're, you're a believer and you, you're walking in a dark hour, God is here. God is in this place. Doesn't matter what our agendas or our plans or our routines are. Doesn't matter. God says, hey, I'm here for you today. I'm here. I want to lift you up to where you have always been purposed to be. And that is in my victory, in my strength, in the identity that I have given you. And if you don't know Christ, today is a beautiful day. I want to invite anybody for any reason, you know, I'll take time. We'll do this, and we won't keep you forever. But if you just are, you're here and you just feel the weight of life, and even as a Christian, you're just feeling this weight, this overbearing weight. You say, I need to step out from under this thing. I need someone to lift this off my shoulders. Jesus is here. Holy Spirit is here. Holy Spirit is moving in this house. If you're here and you don't know Christ, I want to tell you, you have absolutely nothing to be embarrassed about, nothing to be ashamed about. And I'll tell you why you have nothing to be embarrassed or ashamed about. Because the moment you step out of your seat, that stuff's going to fall off of you. The shame the embarrassment because every step you take toward God there's going to be this resolve and this strength and there's going to be this hand that takes a hold of your hand and walks with you so if you want to you want to just say I need someone to pray with me it's just easy or if you come up and we, we would pray with you to accept Jesus as your personal savior you know I'm not saying you become religious or join some kind of cultish movement. I'm saying you give your your heart to the Lord and let Him do something to remedy what's hurting inside that nothing else is filled. If you're a believer, you know, we like to think believers always have it. You know, we can just say and do that Jesus is a, a Coke machine. You just put the right combination in and He'll always give you what you want. Uh, or it'll come out just the way you thought, but it hasn't worked that way. just want to pray with you today. If you're a Christian, can you just say, no pride is going to keep me. 
No pride is going to keep me from getting what it is that God has for me today. I don't care what people think. I'm not here to impress anybody. I'm here because I want to meet with God. I want my life to be what it can be. And I want to walk out of here knowing that I'm not alone. And that I am more than what I might have become convinced that I am. Tammy's going to play. And, and uh, I would invite uh, any of our, our leaders. And you know what? If nobody comes, we've given an invitation. If a hundred come, praise God for that. But I'm going to invite you to come if you would stand with me. Any, any, any spirit-filled believers who love Jesus, just say, hey, I, I want others to know we're in this together. I'm going to invite you to come. As Tammy sings, if you want to come, you know, I got to tell you, I was uh, 15 years old, and I gave my heart to Jesus Christ that day, and it changed my life. Oh, I had my moments where the flesh would kick in and try to reassert, but Jesus changed my life, and I'm here today because of what I allowed God to do those years ago when I walked with Him and grow in Him. So, Tammy, you want to lead us in? Thank you for listening. You can find us online at BethelAG.com or on Facebook at Bethel Assembly of God, Littlestown, Pennsylvania. Our services are also live streamed every Sunday on our YouTube channel, Bethel AG, Littlestown, Pennsylvania.